0: Thank you, praise team. What an awesome, awesome, awesome song to to end with, to to sing together. I, I as I as I hear that song, I I, I think of the scripture. The scripture says, "I am fearfully and wonderfully made." <laughs> And, and, and for whatever reason, in my mind, I, I kept combining the thought, I am fearfully and wonderfully known. <laughs> you are known this morning. God knows you from the inside out. And guess what? God knows every good thing in your life and every bad thing in your life. And guess what? He still loves you. And that's a pretty powerful thing as we just start to, to begin to um, think about Scripture and message. I I hope as you're sitting there that... Uh, uh, that you have that realization uh, that, that you're not sitting here anonymously <laughs> not known uh, sometimes that's good right <laughs> anybody ever like to go someplace and not be known right when you're paying that traffic ticket in union county you don't want to be known uh, but but god knows you here and uh, and he loves you we're gonna start with scripture this morning and it's a it's a simple scripture it's 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 jesus has asked the greatest command and and, and, and the scripture does it a couple of, of different ways. In one instance, Jesus asked the, the scribe to tell him the greatest command, and he gives the great commandment. But in, in this uh, section, in this scripture, in Matthew, Jesus is asked uh, what the greatest commandment is. And, and Jesus' response is simple. Aren't you glad that Jesus just responds in simple ways? He doesn't overcomplicate things. It's simple, it's compelling and it's powerful. Matthew 22, beginning verse 35, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love God with all All your heart, soul, and mind. Um, You know, this this is a, a simple, awesome obligation that we have as people who are following Jesus. This ideal of loving God with every fiber of our being. It's been attributed to, to Augustine, and since it's on the internet, it has to be true. Uh, Augustine supposedly said, love God and do what you want, that, that somehow all of these commands are rolled up in this ideal of, of loving God. That if we, if we just really loved God with every fiber of our being, everything else would work out. It, it, the, the biggest problem in our life is that we probably don't love God enough. And so if we can just learn to love God with every fiber of our being, then everything else will begin to work its way out. But as big as this is, <laughs> as much time as we could spend just on this passage, this passage is not the focus for this series. Jesus says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law... And the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God with your, all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, we call this the great commandment. And everything revolves around these ideals. And Jesus is saying, when you look at the Bible, when you look at all the traditions, when you look at all the rules, when you look at the Ten Commandments, when you look at all the Levitical law, it all comes down, it's boiled down in this ideal of loving God, loving your neighbor. We sometimes say, love God and love Others, but but Jesus is particular. Jesus says, "Love God, love your neighbor." And so, as we begin to work through this series, I, I want to begin it with a question, and it, it it may be a little bit convicting. It's a little bit convicting to me. Maybe it's not convicting to you. Maybe you're the greatest neighbor in in on your block. But do you neighbor differently because you're a Christian? And as we kind of work through that, some of you say, Pastor, that's why I moved way out in the country so I didn't have to have neighbors. (laughs) I know, I know. I want you to think about your street, your block, the people that live in close proximity to you. Can you name the the Christians and the non-Christians In your neighborhood, and how do you do that? Were were you able to perceive that because there was a a visible, a a noticeable difference in the way that they interacted with the people that lived on the street? Do you neighbor differently? If people were to, to, to look at you, would, would they be able to say, man, they, those people love us like no one else on this street? In the book, and, and some of you may have begun reading the book, and, and, and really it's not broken down any chapters. It's just a book that goes with this series. A lot of the thoughts will come from, from the book, but it's you know we're not doing chapters one this week and chapter two. Just read through the book as and it'll be helpful as, as we go through the series. But in the book... They, they're meeting with community leaders, and, and sadly, when they met with community leaders, community leaders said that in their community they saw no difference in how Christians and non Christians interacted with their neighbors. You know, I've not asked any community leaders in Marysville if that's the case. And, and I gotta be honest, I'm a little bit afraid to ask that question. Well, one of the writers... I watched a video of him talking about this and and they presented this ideal of loving your neighbor, the art of neighboring uh, in, in many communities and every community they go in and they give the same spill and they talk to the community leaders and, and, and they talk about how in their community there, there was no difference in how Christians loved their neighbors compared to non-Christians and, and he said every time I've given this talk I've just prayed that a mayor will come up to me or a, a fire chief or a police chief or somebody that's a leader in the community will come up to me and say oh you're wrong in our community it's different and although he's given that talk in countless other communities every community leader has said the same thing you know really there's there's not much difference in how church people and how Christian people treat their neighbors as opposed to non-Christians See, a good neighbor always trumps a good program. <laughs> we we, we could develop all the programs that we want, but, but a good neighbor will trump any good program. Some of the problems that we face in our community and, you know, isolated elderly, overwhelmed single parents, at-risk kids, some of these problems would be reduced drastically by effective relationships and particularly effective relationships within a neighborhood. As a matter of fact, do do you know that studies show that crime rates are reduced in neighborhoods where everyone knows each other's names? (laughs) To, To me, That's enough for me to get to know my neighbor's names because I don't want people to take my stuff, right? And so besides all the other things that are involved in this series, besides the fact that Jesus commands us to love our neighbor, your neighborhoods are better when you know each other. I'm reminded... Several years ago, uh, of a conversation I had with a, a friend, somebody that I considered a, a kind of a um, a mentor, and 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 the church I was pastoring was beginning to minister to the poor, and and going to homeless shelters and doing things like that, and and and, and this person who who I dearly loved and loved said this to me: "He said, Paul, a church has never been grown by doing those things." <laughs> And I said to him, I said, well, we're not doing it to grow the church. We're doing it because Jesus told us to do it. (laughs) See, this isn't church growth. This isn't something we do just to grow our church. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves, because it's true to the command of Jesus. It's what Jesus has asked us to do. It's not about growing the church, it's about growing ourselves. It's about our maturity, and we'll let God take care of the rest, amen? (laughs) And so as we think about this, I want you to think movement. And it's a movement involving nearly 20 other churches in Union County. 20 other churches in Union County, at least 20 other churches in Union County and primarily Marysville, is talking about this very thing today. You have neighbors that are sitting in a church this morning and their pastor is talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. We're talking about the same thing, and we agree. You know, the, the, the truth is in denominations there's a lot of things we don't agree with. Amen. <laughs> and it's okay. I mean, I'm 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 not of the belief that there just needs to be one flavor of church and one denomination. You know, I, I love my denomination. I believe what I believe. But I'm not bent out of shape. That there's other churches and other tribes and other believers. And, and I believe there's people going to heaven in every church in this community. I do. But we agree on this. That we're to love God with our entire being and we're to love our neighbor as ourself. For for these next few weeks, we're focusing on this and we're saying we agree that God has called us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so, Tracy, do you love the quilt that I sewed? Uh, No, Tracy Daniels had that and asked if I'd like her to put it up there. I think it's beautiful, don't you? Isn't that a beautiful quilt? I thought that's a good just reminder of what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. May, may leave it up for, for a little. We'll see how long we leave it up. Because although this is a sermon series, this is not something that ends in three weeks. This is something that I hope we'll continue to build upon. I'm hoping in 10 years we're, we're talking about this neighborhood movement that we, we began with, with 20 churches. And there's 80 churches. And people are coming into the kingdom because people are simply loving their neighbors. And so we're going to preach. We have three sermons that we're going to talk about in, in, in our church. There's six sermons in some churches, but we have a revival and we have some other things. And, you know, I'm, I'm, want to, I'm anxious for our revival on, on May 19th and we're going to do those things. And, and so we got, we're doing three sermons. And, and then on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to join together with other churches. We're, we're going to have an 8.30 service here and then second service at 11 o'clock I'm going to invite, even if you've been in this 830 service, uh, we're going to go over to the high school and we're going to worship with a bunch of other churches. And one of the speakers from the book, one of the writers of the book, is going to be the speaker. And so it's not going to be one of the pastors from here. It's going to be somebody that has some experience. And we're going to worship together and we're going to demonstrate that not only do we love our neighbors, we love other believers. See, there's unity in that. Jesus prays in John 17, Lord God, Father, will you make them one like we're one? And when Jesus is praying that, I don't think Jesus is just talking about Marysville Church of the Nazarene. We need to be united. But I believe Jesus is praying for believers that's going to be scattered all over the world and all over this town. And and, in a sense of unity, that we begin to love one another and love the people in our community. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And, and and we think movement, not campaign. Say, okay, well, Pastor, what's wrong with campaign? I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe there's nothing wrong with the word campaign, but 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 as I think about this, th- this is not simply a campaign to convert your non-Christian neighbor into a Nazarene or to a Christian. You know, maybe in the midst of this, hopefully in the midst of this, there'll be the beginnings of relationships where you can have conversations with people and begin to share your faith and maybe in sharing your faith, they can begin to seize hold of faith. See, see I'm, I'm of the firm belief that the days of let me introduce you to Jesus, is gone. That relationship with Jesus is born in relationship with others. And so I believe that God is calling us, if we want to invite people into relationship with Jesus, we must first invite them into relationship with ourselves. And we begin to love them, and we begin to share ourselves, and they begin to see salt and light in our life. And I believe that as, as this movement unfolds, God will give us opportunities to share the good news. Amen? But we do not love our neighbors simply so they will become Christians. We love our neighbors because we are Christians. <laughs> it's what we're called to do. It's not a bait and switch, but but we're going to love our neighbors because that's what Jesus asks us to do. And I believe that in loving our neighbors, you're going to love some neighbors that may even be antagonistic to the gospel. See, the power and the genius, and this is from the book of the Great Commandment, is that it's so simple and yet extremely powerful that when, act upon, uh, when acted on, the smartest thing we can do collectively to impact our community is to actually live out Jesus' command to love our neighbors. I believe if, if we truly love our neighbors, it will make Marysville a better place to live. And if Marysville is a better place to live, guess who benefits from that? all of us. If we love our community, if we love our neighborhoods, it makes it a better place to live. You know, Marysville's already a great place to live. If you guys don't know that, Marysville is an awesome place to live. I I was thinking about this this week. There's no mountains here. I love mountains. There's no water except for Mill Creek. And I love water. You know, no place really to hike. The, The winters stink. You know, I'm a preacher. I could get, like, called to Tennessee or Florida. But I love it here. You know why I love it here? You people. This is a great community. It's it's a great county to live in. It's a great place to be had some people come into my church, into the church, our church, uh, the other day, and they're, they're thinking about moving in the Columbus area. And, and, and I told them, well, there's no better place to live near Columbus than Marysville. I mean, you still have small town, but Dublin's right there. This is an awesome place to live. I was walking through the uh, Mill Valley and, 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 and there was a group of like five families walking together and their kids were all over the street and my dog went and hid behind a bush because he was afraid. And I thought, what a great place to live. And I believe if we act on this, God will make this great place even greater. Jim and I this, my in-laws, will be moving up here. Uh, next week not the on 10 days or so and uh I was talking to Ines and and I was just telling her Ines this is a great place to live uh, that it's easy to get to know people and uh and you'll love it it's a great place to live and loving our neighbors as ourselves will make it better uh, I want you to understand that neighboring is for our good that, that when Jesus invites us to love our neighbor, to know our neighbor, that, that th- this is not something he's calling to hurt us, but it is ultimately for our good. I was listening to a TED talk and I was trying to find it. I, I listened. Anybody else listen to podcasts? I listen to podcasts all the time, and I couldn't find it. It was a TED Talk, and it was talking about relationships. And In the TED Talk, he was talking about how we fill our relational space with Facebook and Instagram and all the other things that you can do, and it's all these remote relationships, and we fill our spaces with those relationships, and yet there's something that can only happen in person-to-person relationships. And so if all my friends live in Kansas and California and Colorado and Las Vegas, I have a pastor friend, one of my best friends growing up, that pastors in Las Vegas. (laughs) Yeah, I talk about challenges. But if all my friends are those kind of friends, and I have none of these friends that, that I can have personal relationships with, I lose out. And the TED Talk talked about the value of just sitting in a place with someone and sharing. Because I I think about church. uh, You know, one of the things a church is supposed to be, you know, we, 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 we use family words. And so a church is meant to be a place when you are disconnected from family that you can find family here you can find relationship and I think our neighborhoods can be that kind of place as well we we all have a real need for interpersonal relationships let me read the Luke account we're gonna read the Good Samaritan as we we move through this and 21 minutes okay I've only got 45 more minutes to go Luke chapter 10 beginning verse 25 On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, How do you read it? Uh, the, The expert in the law answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. But, but the expert in the law wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and we saw the man. He passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. See, in the story, the Samaritan loved by meeting the physical, material, financial, and emotional needs of the man in his path. Now, Now the lawyer... And this is kind of strange. The lawyer was looking for a loophole. Whoever heard of that, right? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the truth is, when I was a lawyer and I was looking for a loophole, I was looking in a loophole for looking for a loophole for people just like you, okay? Uh, it's the people that wanted the loophole, but lawyers find loopholes. And this lawyer is looking for a loophole. He's looking for limits on his requirement of who he should love. And Jesus picks a Samaritan. They hated Samaritans. You know, they're half-breeds. They, they, when it was convenient, they claimed to be Jewish. When it wasn't convenient, they claimed not to be Jewish. They, they, they occupied what was the northern kingdom or Israel or Samaria. And when the northern kingdom was dispersed, other countries put people in there and they became this mixed group of people that was constantly a thorn in the side of Israel, of Judah, and they couldn't stand them, that they wouldn't associate with them. And Jesus broadens this ideal of neighbor to include even the dreaded, stinking Samaritans. The problem is, we have turned this parable into our own loophole. That, that, that instead of loving our physical neighbor and taking the command at its, at its face value, our neighbor has become everyone. We was at MVNU for a visit with Spencer last week and looking at the school and looking at how much it cost and pray for me and Terry, please. And, and I noticed in, in one of the common areas they had this place neighbor your, in other words love your, and, and, and it said neighbor those with special needs, neighbor those who are different neighbor, and, and all these different categories, you know what it didn't say? Neighbor your neighbor and so this has become our loophole and our loophole is we just love everyone we do not have the capacity you do not I do not have the capacity to love everyone when we try to love everyone we often end up loving no one If we're not intentional, we end up having metaphorical love uh, for our metaphorical neighbors, and then the end result is that we actually do very little. So the invitation of this series is to love your physical neighbors, to, to love the people like your neighbors who are in your path on a daily basis. Maybe, and I'm, and I'm going to be very careful here because I, this is a neighborhood movement. This is a movement for our neighborhoods. It is for our community. But, but but maybe that includes. We were talking to our small group about our workplace proximity associates, the people. And I just sound like Ron Swanson from Parks and Recs when I said that. If you know, know the reference. That's okay. I'll laugh about it later our work friends, the people that we work with, the people, you know, maybe it includes that, but, but I believe that when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, when he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan it does not exclude us from loving our physical neighbor as ourself and so in your bulletin, there is an exercise, I don't have my bulletin, somebody somebody hold it up or somebody hand me one It's called a block map. Can you guys at least make sounds with like paper like you're looking at what I'm asking you to look at? And in here, and, and some of you may not live in this traditional manner. There may not be a house right behind you. Some of you live in the country. I understand that. But who lives nearest you? Maybe it's just three houses that that, that can reasonably do this. But for me, there's eight houses around here. And, and, and it begins with write down the names of the people who live in the houses represented in the box. I can do six out of the eight. Uh, one's a new neighbor. No, I can do five out of the eight. One's a new neighbor that just moved in yesterday, and the other young couple, I, I've, never, I've never met them. It, that's terrible, right? Right? <laughs> Say, Pastor, shame on you. <laughs> but I'm curious, how many can name all eight of your neighbors if you're in this situation? Would you just raise your hand, anybody in here? See, that's the sad thing. We, we, we can't, well, the pains can. Of course, Sandy and Charles can. Then write down relevant information about each person, some data or facts. Um, You know, not not that they drive a white car, but things you've discerned from conversations with them. And then C is some in-depth information, what you know about people. I mean, th- This is a challenge, a- and this is steps, not leaps. I mean, I-, I wouldn't expect you to take this out and go into your neighbors and say, okay, tell me your name. Now tell me something very deep and personal you have never told anyone else in your life about, okay? That's not how we use this, and that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is for us to begin to see that, that, that there's some pretty large steps that we need to take. So how do you do this? Well... There's two ways we find information about people. Uh, the first way is Facebook mining. Anybody ever do any Facebook mining? You know, late nights on the computer searching. And uh, can I suggest, and, and, and when we began to... to, to um, talk about this series as a group one of the pastors suggested that we have on the website where you could identify who neighbors are and where they're part of that church and I, and I just kind of simply suggested that maybe that's missing the point You know, maybe this isn't a search on your computer but maybe it's a walk out to your back fence um, you know it, 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 it can be awkward right if you've lived next to somebody for 10 years it can be awkward to say, hey, I know we've lived next to each other for 10 years, but would you mind to tell me what your real first name is and not hey, dude, and hey, bro? And... I think you could do that with humor, though. Uh, I, I think you have an invitation this week to say, oh, my stinking pastor. Say that with me, my stinking pastor. Pastor. <laughs> preach this series on loving our neighbor and what I realize is I don't know your name and I want to know your name my name's Paul I I know my name (laughs) shake their hand find their names put it on there and begin to build the relationship see I believe loving our neighbors as ourselves begins with learning their names Some of you, maybe you have passed that. Maybe you've known their names for a long time and it's just time to start praying for them or time to just start engaging them or, or beginning to know them a little bit deeper. But, but, the, the, but the direction is from stranger to acquaintance to relationship. Now, in your neighborhood, with your neighbors, I, I think we can all get to acquaintance. You may not get to relationship with everybody. You know, I, I've made a point since, since I've read this book, I, I've, I've really made a point of beginning to know the people on my street, and I always get names, and, and anytime I'm out, you know, I, I try to engage people in conversations. I, I'm terrible at it because I'm not an extrovert, I'm an introvert. I know it's weird I preach, but, but that's, you know, this is not extroverted, this is just my job. But I'm, I'm naturally introverted and and so it's not easy for me to introduce myself or talk to people, but but I've made a point of doing that. And what I found is when you do this with some people, like like last week, somebody I said, Hey, my, I want to hear my name's Paul. They went. Yeah, my name and I could just tell. They weren't overly excited about it. And so you have neighbors that have lives and they're busy and they may not be interested in another relationship. But we're called to love them nonetheless. See, see, I believe God has a purpose for you in your neighborhood. That that where you have been planted, that, that God has a mission, a vision, a purpose for you in your neighborhood, just this, this past, uh, past winter, um, Cody and Liz moved in, and they, they lived next to us, and, and they're UD graduates and nice kids. You know, that, that's the other realization I'm making. I, I always think of myself as peer. You know, I, I think I'm younger than I am, and uh, I'm not peer. I'm like grandpa or dad. But that's okay. I mean, I need to be, I need to be who I am. And so having conversations with them. And you know, I had their first names. and I knew where they work. You know, he's an IT guy, works in Findlay. And you know, she's, she works at Honda. And you know, they're, you know, they graduated UD. You know, we taught that connection. And so I had conversations. I came by their house. And there was alarms going off. And waters flooding out of their garage when it was so cold. I didn't have a number. There wasn't anything I could do. And, and, and so, you know, the, you know, she came home, and she's all frantic, and, and so she, you know, I went in and shut the water off for them. The next day, I saw Cody, and Cody said, hey, why don't we exchange numbers so you guys could text or we could text you? You know, it just makes sense. You know, just stuff like that, but beyond that, you know, my, my mission in my neighborhood's not just so that when people's water pipes burst, I can call them. See, I believe we're ambassadors of Christ, and, and, and to be where we're at, we're planted to be missionaries where we're at. You know, it's not about program, it's about loving people and just, just doing this in an organic way as God gives us opportunity. Steve Wood, how many of you know Steve? Steve pastors Vineyard Church, and he's Sue Timmons' cousin, is that right? The cousins? and so Steve's a great guy for years he pastored in the CCU church and did counseling if you don't know Steve he he he's one he is an awesome awesome man he sent out an email as we prepared this and talked about a lady that lived on his street just two doors down from him two or three doors down from him and she was she was dying in the hospital and somebody asked him to go see her in the hospital and so he he shared the plan of salvation with her shared about Jesus and she said to him She got saved, and she said, you know, I feel all tingly all over. And by the way, is what you said to me, what you read to me, is that in a book somewhere? (laughs) Yeah, the good news is she was gloriously saved. The bad news is, for years, she lived two doors down from a pastor and didn't even know the plan of salvation. Who on your street is God placed you there particularly for <laughs> you know I believe God does that uh, I, I believe God places us in places and uses us in the places we end up in ways that are beyond our imagination we're going to spend just um, it's it's 9.30 I preach too long um, can we put a little bit of music on? Just some, some sound, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Amy's right, our altars are always available for you. And uh, we, you know, maybe God just laid on your heart that, that you want to be a better neighbor and you want to figure out a way to, to do that in a better way and maybe you want to come to the altar and pray. Maybe you want to pray for somebody that you already know. But we're going to take two or three minutes and then Pastor Bob's going to come and close us in prayer.